Hello and welcome to MacPreneur, the show that explores how entrepreneurs from all around the world run their business on Apple Gear. My name is Damien Schroers and here we go for episode 9. So, who are you and where are you calling from? I am Ben Tolson, and I'm calling from San Antonio, Texas. Welcome to the show, Ben. It's uh, it's great to have you on the show. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. So since the last time we saw each other uh, in Austin, Texas, what are you up to now? So I'm working full-time for a computer company doing SEO, and that's my main gig. Um, I'm also doing some communications work, some graphic design for church. Uh, I do some graphic design video work for my wife, Rachel, who is an author and she's, you know, she releases books and stuff. I help, um, get her website and, and graphics and marketing going. And, uh, I also, I'm trying to think of what's relevant to the topic of working on my Mac. Cause this is all basically uh, Mac work. Um, what I love to do that and, and, you know, besides helping my wife, what I love to do is, making uh, videos and my focus is primarily storytelling through documentary filmmaking and so I take every opportunity I can um, I'm a pretty busy guy I've, I've also got six kids and spend a lot of time hanging out with them but um, but I do as much as I can filming video and and making documentaries so I have and I think the last time we talked I was about to, or I was working on a documentary that I was going to release a few months after that. Um, and I can't remember if I told you about that or not, but uh, my friend Nisi uh, has cerebral palsy and decided she was going to compete in a, a an obstacle course called the Tough Mudder. And it's um, it's crazy. It's got a lot of like really difficult obstacles, and all of it is set in mud. And so she got a team of people together and, um, and she did some of her own preparation, you know, getting herself ready physically and she was able to go out and, um, and compete. And so I got to kind of, you know, like be along for the ride with her and film that. And it was really cool because, uh, in December when I finished it, I thought it would be really great not just to share this online, but also to do something in person local, you know, maybe get a, a handful of people out to see it. And so I, I rented a theater and we, we got the word out and we ended up having almost 200 people come out to see it. Wow. And so we had to like split it up into two showings and we got to do a Q and a, so that was, that was probably the most fulfilling part of the whole thing was just getting to see people in person, experiencing this story and, you know, the things that, they took away from that. So that's what, that's what continues to drive me in making films. And w would you say that uh, the video, the storytelling is, is the, the thing that you would like to focus on in your business? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I'm, I'm overlapping right now, which means I've got, I've got my full-time job and I've got other sources of income to cover my bills. And it's, it's difficult. Like I'm, I'm trying to be as disciplined as I possibly can um, but I'm, I'm trying to 
get the video stuff going and kind of in, enjoying the fact that I don't need to make money making, you know, promotional videos or anything like that. Um, so I, I get to be a little bit more picky about who I work with and what stories I decide to tell. You know, I, I, I feel like the, um, documentary filmmaker or, or using film as a storytelling tool, even for business can be really powerful. And so I see some potential there, um, for, for business growth, but that's what I would love to be doing eventually is just that. And then, you know, helping Rachel with whatever she needs. And, um, who would be your ideal client then for this uh, video work? You know, uh, really eventually I would just, just like to be doing documentary films. So I would be, I would be choosing the subjects. I would be, okay. you know, doing the research. Um, but, uh, it, you know, working with commercial clients, um, which is, you know, that's probably going to be a big part of the transition. I'm really, I'm really interested in working with companies that are really in touch with why they do what they do. And, um, so much so that they, you know, that like even the lowest level employee is able to tell me, oh, this is, this is why this company does what it does. You know, like I want, I want that level of, um, of buy-in to the vision because then it's a lot easier to get in and to make, uh, to, to tell a story that feels authentic and real. And if you're going to use that medium, it really has to come across that way. You know, like people are really good at seeing when somebody isn't being authentic or real about why they, why they do what they do. So, Uh, so that would be my ideal client. And, you know, I, I don't really, you know, beyond that, I don't really have any preference as far as industry or, um, you know, size of the business. And geogra geographical locations could be international clients or do you think it would be still better to be face to face to, to have local uh, U.S. Uh, customers? You know, I think I can. I can work regionally for now, um, just given the circumstances that I'm in. Eventually, I might have the flexibility to do more uh, international stuff, and I certainly would not be opposed to that. Um, but, you know, like I, I recently had a client who uh, heard about me through a mutual friend. Their business is in Colorado, and so it just happened to work out that I was able to take a trip out there and... and um, do a, a video for them. So I always, you know, like I'll look into it if, if somebody's interested in having me out and it's, you know, out of state or even out of country, if I can make it happen. And so since when do you feel you, you have uh, been an entrepreneur or do you have that uh, entrepreneurial spirit in you? Yeah. You know, I'm not sure if it's an entrepreneurial spirit or if it's a, I just don't like working for people spirit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, maybe it's, maybe that's the same thing. Um, you know, I, I, I see myself as a creator, so, uh, someone who's artistic. I'm not as much of a problem solver, although I do enjoy solving problems. I'd rather make something that's beautiful and meaningful that helps change people's minds about something or help them to feel something more deeply. And that, you know, that, that approach to marketing can be very powerful if applied the right way. And so 
I've always, I've always been a self-starter when it comes to taking on new technologies and new skills, you know, like a long time ago I was working for a church and, and they needed a website. And so I was like, okay, well, let me see if I can figure that out. And this was, you know, back before there were thousands of YouTube videos, you know, and tutorials out there and stuff. I just, I kind of like looked at the back end at other people's code and I started figuring it out little by little, but I love learning that way. And so I guess in that way, I'm, I've, I've been an entrepreneur probably for a good 15 years. And, and in that, I, I will say in that 15 years, I've always worked for myself on some level, you know, I've, I've, um, you know, whether that's full time and that was all I was doing or, you know, I had a full time job and I was just doing it on the side, but it's always, it's always been, I've always been working on or building something. I don't know if you know about um, uh, the Kate Steak podcast. It's um, it's a podcast uh, from uh, Kate Erickson's. Oh, okay. And uh, recently she had uh, a couple of episodes where she was asking the question of what, what, how can we define an entrepreneur? Can we be an entrepreneur if we don't have totally our own business? Right. And um, I will put a, sh a link in the show notes, but I think it... it It made me think as well about the entrepreneurial spirit. And from my side, I've been an employee for almost 18 years or almost 19 years, actually. Mm -hmm. But I think I've always exhibited like entrepreneurial uh, thinking. And, and there is even a term now that's called uh, intrapreneur. It's uh, being entrepreneurial inside a large organization. Yes. And um, I think there is a kind of a continuum between uh, the person who works for the government and really <laughs> as a kind of wants just things simple and wants to be told what to do. Yeah. And then the, the full-blown uh, entrepreneur with uh, like the, the Jeff Bezos. And, and I think that we can, we can position ourselves somewhere in that continuum and, and still uh, be an entrepreneur. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, and I guess in my definition, I would I would definitely not count someone out who works for somebody else. You know, like um, I think, like you said, it really it kind of comes down to a little bit of of not wanting to be told what to do, um, not for the sake of being rebellious or being like you can't, but not wanting to count out any of the other possibilities for how something can be accomplished, how time or money or energy could be better used, you know, like, like that way of thinking, I think is, is something that's universal to entrepreneurs. You know, it's just, just like more, more about questioning the status quo than just going along with it. Yeah. Yeah. Fully agree. So how, how did you get into the Apple ecosystem? Do you remember your first Apple device? Yes, I do. Uh, well, okay, so the iPhone was my first Apple device. And prior to that, I didn't have a smartphone of any kind. I had, um, I had a flip phone with a color screen, I think. It's so, it was so long ago. Uh, so a buddy of mine, a mutual friend of ours, Sean McCabe, who, uh, who runs Sean West, uh, we were in a band together, and he was... He kept taking all these videos 
of like us doing stuff together and and like he would take videos at his house and he would post stuff and I was like that's so cool that you can like do that on your phone and so he he was kind of the one who got me really interested in and so when our contract was up and we were able to upgrade our phones um, an iPhone was one of the options and I've been an iPhone user ever since but uh, I didn't get into using Macs uh, until much later than that. And that was that was really just kind of uh, forced on me a little bit. I, I'd been a Windows user, not, not necessarily by preference, but because it was something I was familiar with. And, and I was like, yeah, this is fine. It's doing what I want it to do. And I had a, I had a boss who was going to give me a computer and I said, oh, well, you know, I've, I've already got a laptop. It works just fine. He's like, no, I, I want to give you a separate computer. And he gave me a MacBook. And that was the first time I'd ever actually used the, you know, the, the Mac OS interface and stuff. And I was, my mind was kind of blown. I was like, wow, this is really intuitive and nice. And everything works well. And it's not hard to find things. And and I realized when I started using Mac OS that like I was really just tolerating Windows. <laughs> um, especially at the time it was pretty bad. But but I was, you know, I was just tolerating Windows. Uh, but it wasn't helping me do my job well. You know, and so that's that's when I, you know, I started using that MacBook and I was like, oh wow, I I need everything to be Mac from now on. <laughs> so and so what's your setup in terms of hardware? Yeah, so I've got uh, I've got an iMac. Uh, I don't know the specs off the top of my head, but I can pull that up real quick. Um, so I got I got this iMac in uh, 2015. It's got a 3.2 gig i5 processor, 16 gigs of memory, and um, and this was this is the actually the first iMac that I purchased for myself. I had, I had another one given to me that was quite a bit older. Uh, so I, you know, when I decided that, like that one was starting to, um, slow, it was, it was getting a little bit too slow for the kind of work I was trying to do, especially around that time I was getting into doing video production, um, video editing and, you know, like you need something really solid. So I I definitely didn't have the money, although I would have loved to have gotten a Mac Pro. Um, but at the time, you know, this was what I could afford, and uh, it has been amazing. It's it it doesn't slow me down. Um, it's able to keep up with the things that I'm doing, and um, and so it's been really great. Did you get the, um, the Retina screen? Yes, I did. And going from so the one I had before, I think, was a 2011. So it didn't it didn't have the Retina screen. Going from that to a Retina screen was was pretty insane. Like uh, just standing in front of it, I when when I first turned it on, I remember just like staring at the screen and looking at the detail, and I was just, how in the world? <laughs> it was pretty great. Yeah, I remember. It, it took me weeks to get used to it each time. I was so delighted <laughs> by, the, by the screen. It's, uh, yeah. 
And so in addition to the iMac, do you still have a MacBook then a MacBook Pro or something like that? Yeah, I've actually, so I've, I've passed my MacBook Pro down and I don't really, I don't really use it that much. Um, my, my boys use it for various things really for the, for the kind of work I do, I can do most everything that I need to here on the iMac. I work from home. Um, I work remotely for my full-time job, so I'm able to just, um, be here. But if I'm going to be out and I want to write and maybe do some task oriented or admin oriented things, um, I'll just bring my iPad with me and that works just fine. I've got a, uh, iPad air two and I set that up in, in a, uh, Bluetooth keyboard case, you know, so it's kind of like I have a mini laptop and, and I'm, that's, that's also, you know, like since I got that, the iPad pros came out like the, the newer, better, bigger. Um, and so I've, I've been wanting to upgrade I've, I've been wanting to get something with the, um, that I could use the Apple pencil with and everything. Uh, so eventually that's on my, that's on my long list of expensive things I would like to buy. Mm -hmm. And what uh, current iPhone model do you have? I have an iPhone six and I'm about to upgrade. I think we're going to upgrade to the iPhone X. Well, there, there will be a good news with uh, iOS 12. Yeah. Is that uh, it will make the older hardware faster. So I'm uh, beta testing iOS 12 on uh, sixth generation iPod touch, which is really <laughs> not, oh, wow. not, not uh, very, very powerful. And I noticed the difference immediately switching from iOS 11 to iOS 12, even if it's uh, a public beta, which means that there is some, um, some code running all the time, you know, some telemetry that is uh, sent to Apple and things like that. Yeah. Even though it's in that configuration, like uh, scrolling from screen to screen is, is much faster launching apps. I feel it is much faster. So it's going to make the life of people who have like iPhone 5S Really, it will. Uh, I think it will change their life. It will. It, it will make them think twice before upgrading. Now, obviously, you will stay with iPhone 5s or iPhone 6 uh, capabilities and uh, yes. te technology. So, so that's that's actually one of the things I'm most interested in with upgrading. Is I've uh, for documentary filmmaking, um, the camera that I have that I use for just about everything, you know, whether it's vlogging or shooting something really professional looking, um, it's the same camera and it works really well. Um, but there are times when it would be nice not to have to carry around the extra gear, but to know that I could still get a really nice shot. And my problem right now is I'm a little bit too much of a perfectionist. So I can, I can see the difference between, um, what I'm able to do with that camera and what I'm able to do with my iPhone six. And I, I, I let it get to me, but really I could take the iPhone six with me right now and I could, um, film some beautiful scenes, you know, just like having the right composition, making sure the lighting's good and then doing, you know, whatever color correction I need to do afterwards. So it's, it's really amazing. Um, and, and especially for documentary filmmaking, um, where 
the quality is not as important as the story. You know, so I've I've got a very capable device with me now, but I am I'm excited about the newer features on the iPhone X. And what what the iPhone 6 is unfortunately missing and especially for video, it's uh, image stabilization. Yes. So the iPhone 6 was my uh, old device and I noticed it when I switched to iPhone 8 Plus. I noticed the quality of the videos. The the stabilization is uh, super good. I have I have an app that I use, uh, Pro Camera, and it's got software stabilization. So I've actually found that to work really well. And it's you know it's probably not nearly as good as what I'll be able to get on the iPhone X. But but for you know for doing some short, quick handheld shots. Uh, it, it actually performs pretty well. Like I was, I was really surprised. I was kind of skeptical when I downloaded it at first, but, but yeah, that's pro camera is a really nice addition. And I can't remember, I know, I know it's a paid app if you want to get all the features, but, um, but it was a really nice addition to, um, the built-in camera app on the phone. And so what's, what's your typical workflow when you're shooting documentaries so from from the start to the finished product, finished video, roughly. Yeah, so, uh, you know, everything starts with research, um, which will include do, doing some offline interviews, you know, just sitting down, um, talking through stuff. And, um, and once, once I've done my research and I have a sense of, you know, what we want the story to be, what we want, you know, kind of the moral of the story to be, the direction. Um, I'll start to think through the different shots that we want to take, and then uh, we'll we'll schedule that out, and we'll actually have, you know, these filming dates. And that's when that's when the pressure is on. It's like, okay, now it's time to get your shot, and whatever you capture, like that's what you have to work with. So. And I would say that's really probably like once that's finished, I'm probably 30% into my process. The rest of it is, you know, like taking the footage from the card and, and putting that onto, I use, uh, I use external storage, um, just so that, cause I've, I've got, you know, gigabytes of video and I don't delete anything. So uh, I'm actually due to buy another like eight, eight terabyte hard drive pretty soon. But, um, but I'll, I'll load it onto external storage, create proxies. Um, are you familiar with proxies? No. Okay. So w uh, as it relates to video, um, I, I use Premiere Pro, uh, Adobe's Premiere Pro for editing. And so it's, it's especially useful when you're shooting in 4k you can actually render smaller versions of those clips you know like uh in, instead of 4k they're 1280 by 720 or something like that and those actually get imported into your editing space so that the computer's not having to continually render and work through 4k footage which you know like even even a really beefy machine um, has some trouble with that. So, um, so that's one of the first things I do is I always create proxies and then I, 
you know, do ideally I do a first pass edit. What really happens is I, I edit and I tweak things as I go, but I really should do a first pass edit and then go back and tweak things. Um, and then I do all my color correction and everything like that. And then I watch it about 50 times to make sure that it's perfect. <laughs> and, uh, and then I publish it. Hmm. So what, what, what tools then do you use? Do you have, um, for instance, for the, in the research phase, do you have a, a tool of choice on, on your devices? Well, you know, I, um, I do most of my research actually on my phone, oddly enough. So, you know, if, if it's just really easy for me to open up Safari and, and just do a search for something. Um, if I happen to be in, in front of my Mac at the time, I'll open up, you know, and I'll, I'll do some research there. But I really, I really like the having the ability to just be like sitting down stairs in my chair, just like not distracted by all of the other things that come with working and, and just having something that I can look at and scroll through. And, uh, and so that's one of the ways. And then part of my research really has more to do with coordinating and, um, and meeting with people and stuff like that. So, um, so I, you know, I'll do more of the scheduling side of things and coordinating, um, when I'm working on my Mac, I feel, uh, I feel like a bad, uh, Mac user, but I use, I pretty much use all of Google's tools for, um, scheduling and taking notes, you know, like my calendar task list, all of that stuff. So I, I set that stuff up a long time ago and I've got so much there that, uh, I haven't quite made the leap over to using uh, Apple products for the same thing. Although I do use notes quite a bit. Um, so sometimes, sometimes I'll, uh, I'll open up notes and just jot down a few quick things. And I know I'll be able to, you know, go back and find them pretty easily. Yeah. I'm also using, I'm using a G suite for my business. Oh yeah. And uh, so I have some templates there in Google drive. So For, for contracts, for instance, and um, yeah, for, yeah, for estimates. And, but then I, like notes, notes is a great example. There is, there is nothing that, or at least I, I didn't find anything in the Google uh, ecosystem that I liked as much as notes. And so it's more uh, a hybrid system that I'm using right now. Yeah, and, and I'm kind of the same as much as I would love for everything to fit neatly into, you know, one brand, uh, I've, I find that in many cases, you know, like notes, notes is so easy to access. You know, I can, I can get there so quickly. And so sometimes like it's, it's, I need the least amount of resistance. I need the quickest option available to, you know, take down some notes or write down a thought before I forget it. I mean, goodness, not having to get on the internet to take notes can, can be the difference between like, you know, getting something done in five minutes and getting something done in 30 minutes because you got distracted by notifications and YouTube and social media and all this other stuff. So yeah, I mean, uh, that's, that's where I think notes works really well. It's just being something quick and easy to access that doesn't allow all of these other potential distractions in.
And ultimately, software and hardware are just tools. Right. They are tools to make our life or business easier. And the best tool is the one that that removes friction, that makes things uh, go fast. And um, what I like about Notes is the integration, especially in iOS, with the share sheet. Uh, well, an example, a podcast. So I'm listening to a lot of podcasts. And whenever there is one podcast, I want to keep a reference and also have notes, keep notes about some um, things that I've discovered or some haha moments or things like that. I just share the podcast, add notes, and then you can search in that in that um, menu. You can search for existing notes, and it will append what you. Uh, what you share at the bottom of the existing notes. Oh, nice. It's so, so fast, so, so seamless. And uh, recently I've started doing that with quotes. So now I have created a quotes um, note. <laughs> and whenever I, I find a, a nice quote on my, on my iPhone, then I do share and uh, add to that uh, at the bottom of that note. It's uh, really great. That's cool. I wasn't aware of that feature, so I'll have to check it out. So on your Mac, it's mostly Adobe uh, Premiere Pro. Do you have any other favorite app on your Mac? You know, um, besides a- anything in the Adobe suite that I, uh, that I use most often, one of the things I appreciate the most on the Mac is the Finder app. And I've seen, I've seen some stuff out there about you know people not really... Um, liking the interface and the way that they structure files, um, but I've I've actually found it to be really useful, and um, and there there are a few things that um, that seem really simple, but you know, for example, being able to drop down real quick and change the the way things are organized either by name or by kind um, all the time, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm really bad at putting things where they should go and like organizing things into folders. Um, I've gotten a little bit better, but there's still, you know, like I kind of have some of these catch all places and, um, and I've been doing this for so long, you know, I've got quite a, um, a lot of history. And so it's not always easy to remember what I labeled something or, um, you know, if like, if I was doing it right, I'd categorize everything and, and name it and date stamp it and all of this stuff. But, um, but I found that the, the finder app and the way that the interface is set up, um, it's just, it makes it really easy for me to research and find, the thing I'm looking for. And, um, and then, you know, of course on the organization side, I just, I think it works really well in my workflow because, um, I am able to, and, and this, you know, some of this is just built in the way folders work, but, um, but I really like Apple's, uh, I really like, like the, Mac OS interface for organizing those files because um, it's just really easy for it to interact with other programs and do what I expect it to do. 
and I haven't, um, even, even working more recently on a windows machine, it's kind of hit or miss. Like it's, it's like, well, maybe I can do this or maybe I can't. Um, how do I resize the, the thing again, or how do I change the way that the files are organized? And it's just not, it's just not very intuitive. Even, even when you know where to look, it's just kind of clunky. And so I just, I really like how simple and straightforward, um, for me, Finder is. What I, what I'm using uh, all the time is the, uh, the feature of, you know, when you have uh, open and save dialog boxes. Yes. So you have that open, but obviously it's not at the right location. And if you happen to have like a, a finder window open on this on the side of your screen you can drag and drop a file from that folder in this open save dialog box and it will jump to the very same folder oh that's cool and if it's a if it's an open file actually if you drag and drop the file that you want to open then it will it will be auto automatically selected so that's something that uh, i discovered <laughs> it's really really great that's awesome because I always uh, I always end up you know clicking if it's not if it's not saving somewhere recent. That's another thing I love is um, when you're opening or saving, it always shows the most recently used folders, and that just, it just makes it so quick and easy. But you know every once in a while I, I I click that you know down arrow that expands the box and gives you the the option to look at other folders. But I almost always have another Finder window open with the folder that I need to save it in. So that's that'll be something good to remember. So you have an iPad Air. What are you using your iPad Air for now in your business? Or is it purely a, a leisure device? Yeah, so uh, I actually have um, a, a couple of different things I do with it. Oh, and something I forgot to mention on the iPhone also. But um, but I use, I use Notes, uh, but I also have access to... Uh, some of the the G Suite apps through the iPad that I can use, and so it's it's really nice to be able to jump over to that device and be editing the same things that I was working on on my iMac. So that's typically what I'll use it for, like either the calendar or notes or um, other G Suite applications. Um, I'll use it some for research, you know, if I happen to be in that mode, but. It really just depends, and um, and yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, I do have an app on there called Prompt Smart, and uh, it's a teleprompter app. And I think they they do have a free version. They also have a paid version. And so you you put your script in, and then you can tell it to orient the text, you know, backwards, upside down, however you want to. And I actually. I built myself a beam splitter glass. Uh, if you don't know what that is, it's basically just a, it's like a, a piece of glass that's set diagonally in a box that shuts out the light. And then anything that's placed under the glass will reflect to uh, the person who can see it. But then the camera can look through the other side without seeing the reflection. So it, it's, it's basically a working teleprompter. So, this teleprompter app, uh, you can set a, a scroll speed, so it'll you know it'll automatically scroll at whatever speed, but but it also has a feature where it will listen to you and scroll automatically. 
And that's, that's one of my favorite things. You have to be close enough to it. <laughs> uh, it can get a little bit frustrating if it can't hear you and it doesn't scroll at the right time and you just kind of have to stop. If I, if I remember correctly, I think I, think I remember uh, seeing the, that beam uh, split a glass in, in one of your Snapchat, uh, Snapchat stories. I think you shared that uh, like last, last year or something like that, right? Yes, and I actually uh, I made a YouTube video. Um, maybe I can shoot that over to you if I can. Yeah, if I can find that, I'll shoot that over to you. How, basically, how it's assembled. I don't think I, I didn't build it, and the YouTube video is already put together. But I I talked about the materials I used and how I how I built it. Yeah, yeah, I will I will put that in the show notes. Great. And um, on my phone, uh, I actually purchased. This was for video stuff. Um, I purchased an app called Rode Recorder. It's part of a, a Rode lapel mic that you can buy that has the right kind of plug for, um, I think it's TRRS or something like that, but, but that specific plug. Now, uh, I'm sure there's some kind of an adapter that can be used for phones that only have the lightning, um, but I, I use that app along with the lapel mic to capture audio separately whenever I film um, an interview, you know, so I've got I've got my subject set up with that, and I basically just, you know, say here, hold on to my phone for a minute. I recorded a, a wedding that way, though. I put I I put it in the groom's, you know, like one of his inner pockets in his jacket, and had his uh, had the microphone set up, and then uh, you know I'm able to really easily extract the audio later and sync it up with the video. So that's come really in handy. I forgot to ask, do you, do you have an Apple Watch? I don't. Uh, would love to get one, but no, I haven't gotten one yet. Is it uh, tempting you? Or? Uh, I'm, a little bit, I'm a little bit on the fence. Um, one, of the, one of the big reasons I'd love to get it is because, um, is because of some of the fitness features. And I mean, that's, that's another, that's a whole other thing. But on my phone, I use, um, my fitness pal, which is a, it's a calorie tracking uh, app, but it allows you to put in your, um, the different kinds of foods you're eating and it gives you a breakdown of, you know, the nutrients and the, um, how many calories and, and helps you kind of stay within your limits. And, that's as far as health and fitness are concerned. Um, that's probably one of the most helpful tools uh, that I use right now. I have I have a gym that I go to and like people who expect me to be there, and so it's not really it's not really difficult for me to stay motivated to work out. But it's you know like the the kind of foods I eat in my diet that's where I really struggle, and so that helps me a lot. Um, I don't know if there's something similar to that on the, I, I bring that up because that's, you know, that's kind of when I think of the Apple watch and it's appeal for me, mm-hmm. um, the health side of things is, is where it seems like it would make the most sense. Well, there, there is a activity tracking on the Apple watch and I, you might have seen that these uh, three rings concepts where you, you have one ring for calories burned mm-hmm. one ring for activity so when you do 
a power walk or when you go running or you do any kind of and I think it's it's more monitoring the heart rate and the third ring the inner ring is about uh, standing up so not uh, being uh, sitting all the time oh yeah I'm standing up right now <laughs> yes well in my case that that one is easy for me because I have a standing desk so yes it's not difficult to hit the 12 hours during 12 hours over the day you need to have uh, been standing for a while and uh, no it's uh, it's a uh, nice there is a, a little nudge at the end of the day or before the end of the day and like a little notification if you take a three minute brisk walk you will close your ring today oh yeah <laughs> and uh, yeah usually it's it's not a lot it's like yeah yeah i think i can go outside for three minutes and close my ring and um, i think they have done it uh, well and every week you can if you want you can adapt the number of calories that you consume on, the, on a daily basis so it's like a challenge and you set yourself the bar you want to to reach and yeah and obvious well not obviously but they have uh, also badges so there is a kind of reward system and uh, yeah gamification yeah because it's apple these are really gorgeous 3d badges that you can actually rotate with your finger and uh, at the back of the badge you see the the month the <laughs> the year your name and yeah it's uh yeah it's appealing really appealing yeah well and and especially with some of the new features coming out with ios related to you know other health things like keeping you off of social media too much helping you manage your sleep better like all of that's another thing that I know if I had an Apple Watch, I would definitely use it for is my sleep tracking because I, I don't like keeping my phone under my mattress or however they want you to do it. So like I usually set it beside my bed, but it's it's not so accurate, you know, that way. Whereas if I was wearing something that was actually on my body, um, it would do a much better job of tracking my sleep throughout the night. Um, so that's that's the one area to where I would find it extremely useful. And especially since uh, now Apple Watch Series 3, the battery life is really, really great. Like uh, now I, I can almost uh, use it for three days, for three consecutive days, and um, not, not wearing it uh, overnight. So I, um, I have a legacy of uh, Fitbit, Fitbit trackers. And so I, I use, I still use my uh, Fitbit Charge HR for uh, tracking my sleep. But for when when I started using the Apple Watch for maybe two weeks, something like that, I had both. Both I had the Apple Watch for sleep tracking, and I had the Fitbit for sleep tracking, and they were they were very close. But in the end, it's uh, it's like the Apple ecosystem. Yeah, I have maybe three years worth of history in the Fitbit app. And because Fitbit doesn't share the data with uh, Apple Health, the health app, I'm stuck. If I, if I want to keep my history, if I want to, to see what's happening, I decided then to keep the Fitbit for sleep tracking. But actually it's working, the, the Apple Watch is working well, uh, quite well for sleep tracking. And uh, there is a, there is a, a trick 
if you get one one day and it's uh, a theater mode so you can uh, put your watch in uh, do not disturb but they have also a special mode which is called theater mode meaning that the screen doesn't light up unless you tap on it so and actually that that saves a little bit of battery life uh, during the night yeah that would be important for it not to light up in the middle of the night <laughs> yes especially yeah and also for your for your spouse uh, that's uh, that's never a good thing great so now uh, we are reaching the haha moment segment okay is there anything any tip or trick that you discovered recently on any of your device, something that you wished you knew before? You know, it, this this wasn't so recent, and I feel kind of silly saying this because I feel like, you know, if I was paying attention to the keynote, I, I should have known this, but on my iOS, um, I really like how you can 3D touch some of the control panel items and get more options. So, uh, for example, the flashlight, I didn't realize could have different brightness settings and that was pretty that was pretty cool. And um and then I also discovered that you could add certain things to the control panel that aren't usually there by default. This is terrible, but sometimes like I'm having trouble winding down and so I'll be like watching a comedy special in bed cuz I I want to make sure that like as soon as I feel sleepy I go to sleep, but you know, so I don't want to be up walking around, but I don't want the screen to be super bright because I don't want to keep Rachel awake. So, um, so I bring the brightness all the way down. Of course, you know, it's on night shift so that the light's not as intense. Um, but I also put the accessibility, um, options on the, the control panel screen. And, uh, there are two settings that I use. There's reduce white point under the accessibility settings and that makes the screen even dimmer um, than, than the lowest brightness. And then there's uh, color filters and I have, um, I have a color filter that's just like kind of an orangish red and that brings the overall light down just a little bit more too so that, you know, it's, it, it almost doesn't glow onto my face. <laughs> It's so dim, but you know, like my, it's, it's probably terrible for my eyes. Not great for like falling asleep, but, but that's, you know, that's my, my trick for having the phone on in bed next to my spouse without the light bothering her. So yeah. And on, on the Mac, honestly, I don't, I don't know that there's been anything recently, but, um, I love, I love the. I use it all the time. The screen capture feature, um, I think I have it set to command control shift four gives me the, the marquee where I can select something directly. And so I, I use that all the time. Um, and then I think, uh, I think it's the same key combination, but with five we'll do, the entire screen. But yeah, that, um, let's see, command control shift four, um, that gives you the marquee to, to capture something. Uh, I recently worked with a client and 
I wanted to, I, I, uh, it was the one in Colorado actually. Um, I wanted to, as a bonus to making the video for them, I wanted to take some still shots, some really nice stills. And, um, I forgot to do that while I was there. And so I just looked through, I looked through all of my footage and, um, and there's a way, you know, there's a way in Premiere Pro that you can export a single image as a JPEG. But I thought, well, why don't I just, why don't I just do this and copy it? And then I can, you know, like actually take it over into Photoshop and make sure that everything, like it doesn't just look like a, a still of a video, but I actually, you know, make it look like a really nice image. And so I was, I was able to do that and, um, and still send them the, the bonus stuff, which they really appreciated. With the Maki uh, screen capture, did you know about the uh, spacebar trick? No. So if you do, you do that operation to, to be able to select part of the screen. Okay. So you have a kind of a, like a target, right? The, the cursor becomes a, like a target. Yes. If you press the spacebar, now the cursor becomes a, a camera. It's a camera icon. Wow. I'm... And when you position it on, on top of a, of a window, it will actually take the entire window. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm, I'm doing it right now. <laughs> that's amazing. That's, that's the first thing that I teach my, my clients because when I need them to, to give me some, uh, some screenshots, I don't, I don't want to have their entire desktop, right? Right, yeah. I teach them the trick, and so they can send me always the right the right window for the screenshot. Yeah, that's great. That's really cool. Thanks for the tip. Pleasure. So in the pre-show, we were talking about uh, some workflow improvement that you were uh, looking for. Uh, could you please explain a little bit? Yeah. So um, because uh, and and I didn't get into all of the different things that I do, but because I um, I have so many different jobs, you know, like part-time project things, whatever. Um, I need the workspace to, um, be set up a certain way so that I can optimize my productivity for whatever it is I'm doing. And, you know, for example, if I'm, if I'm going to be doing video editing, I don't, I don't want to have the browser open. I just want Premiere Pro and like everything else closed out. Whereas if I'm doing like web updates and, and doing more like graphic communication stuff, I do want, I do want a web browser open, like playing Amazon music, um, you know, so that I can like enjoy some music while I'm doing the design stuff. But, um, I find that when I don't set up my workspace prior to, you know, starting to work, I tend to get distracted more easily. Um, I tend to not be as focused. And so, but sometimes, you know, I'm in a hurry and I just want to get right into working or I'm just being lazy and I don't want to go through all the trouble. And so I'm, I'm curious to know if there is a way, um, you know, maybe with like a keyboard shortcut or something to, uh, to, have the computer close down certain applications, open certain ones up, open specific browser windows, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and I, I actually use 
I use a program called Keyboard Maestro. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm thinking of as well. Yeah. So I've I've done some. One of my favorite things about Keyboard Maestro is um, it's it seems like you can do almost anything if you're creative enough and like put the right combination of things together. But um, I built I built some of my own macros there for various things, and um, you know, like some really simple ones, some a little bit more complicated. But I would imagine it's probably capable of doing exactly what I'm talking about if I can come up with the right sequence. So that's that's probably where I'll start in my investigation of how to like this is this is really me just being as lazy as I possibly can be. <laughs> like what's the simplest way to do this? Mm-hmm. Now keyboard maestro is the the tool that I will, yeah the the first tool that comes to mind for me. Yeah. If we're talking about like specific software if there is really a specific tool that needs to be fired up in certain situations, then what you could do is assign that tool to a special space. So on the Mac, you can have different desktops yes. called spaces. And it's possible when you right-click on, a, on an app on the dock, you have options. And in options, you can select which space, which desktop the app is opening. Oh, cool. So if it's really tool specific, then I would go in that direction. Like, you know that these three pieces of software needs to be fired up each time. So you just tap on them to to launch them and they will open automatically on a different space. And you switch from one space to the other. Now for the organization of the spaces, there is another tool called uh, Better Touch Tool. Yes. And uh, with a certain gesture, you can actually arrange the windows on the screen. So you could say, okay, this window will take the half left side of the screen. And then with a different gesture, you will have that will take the top right corner, a quarter of the screen, and then the other one, the bottom right corner. So you could, uh, with gesture, quickly rearrange the windows. I had better touch tool at one time and uh, I looked just now and I didn't have it, but, uh, but that's definitely one that I'll want to bring up again. It's, it's funny to me, like I totally know about the multiple desktop things and it just never occurred to me to use that feature that's, <laughs> that's already <laughs> built in. So yeah. yeah, I appreciate that. What is really great with the different spaces, it's that if you do control and then the arrow keys, you can switch from one space to the other. So let's say you you have your default, your first desktop that you have in front of you and you have other desktop on the right. Then you do control and then right arrow key and you switch to another desktop like that, just with the keyboard. No need to fiddle with the mouse or the trackpad. Yeah. It's uh, really, really fast. And um, when applications are uh, full screen, they actually occupy their own space. Yes. So it's the same way to easily switch from a full screen application to your normal desktop is with the control left and right arrows. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be really useful. And you know, like while while we're sitting here talking about this too, I'm thinking, okay, so how can I use Keyboard Maestro with those other features to make it super easy? Yeah, if you combine Keyboard Maestro's spaces. Better touch tool. Yeah. Yep. 
So you, you're talking about upgrading, wanting to upgrade the iPhone 6 to an iPhone 10. Uh, do you have any other upgrade in mind or looking at new devices that recently were released by Apple, like the HomePod or the AirPods? Um, I would definitely love to get some AirPods. Um, I'd love to upgrade to the iMac Pro. It looks really sleek, you know, and, and then beyond that, I, I know the performance um, would just be off the charts compared to what I'm used to. And I'd considered maybe getting a HomePod. It looks really cool. So that's that's probably more in the realm of a nice to have. Like I, f I feel like the um, AirPods, you know, like anytime I go running or something like that, like I bring my I bring my old Apple earbuds with me and I've got the cord and I like have to hold it. And and then, you know, I found some uh, I found some Bluetooth earbuds, but I didn't like them very much and they kind of plug my ears up. So I feel like the, the AirPods would be something that I'm already used to the way they fit and the way they feel, but you know, would allow me to go wireless and give me great sound. So, yeah, you have a bunch of Bluetooth headsets and then there are AirPods and it's a totally different league. It's a totally different kind of experience. And, uh, That's something that each time that I recommend that product to friends and they buy it, the next time they see me, they say like, why didn't you talk about that to me before? Right. Uh -huh. It's like they were, it's, it's, it's such a delightful experience. It's, it's one of the most delightful experience that I have ever had with Apple products in a long time. And, uh, yeah. The AirPods, they are totally worth uh, their price and actually even more, especially if you listen if you listen to podcasts. If you take calls on your iPhone, that's going to really rev revolutionize the way you you interact with uh, with uh, the iPhone and, and taking calls and so on. It's, it's really great. Like I mentioned, I don't have a lot of um, cell phone coverage in my office, so I need to leave my, my iPhone next to the window. And um, I am wearing my AirPods all day long, even even when I don't listen to anything. I just have my AirPods in it. Yep. <laughs> Now it's a bit like a Pavlovian uh, response. Like, I don't have my AirPods, I cannot work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So somebody's calling, double tap on the on the AirPod, and you take the call and double tap and you close the call and um, you can even program the left and right airpod differently the, the behavior so when i listen to podcasts the when i double tap on the left one i do pause and when i double tap on the right one i go backward 15 seconds oh that's really cool and so that's really great because you you might be uh, i might be walking on the street And then uh, meeting a friend, double tap, you pause, and and sometimes you're running or you're doing something, and wait, wait, what what did the guest <laughs> say now? And double tap, and you go backwards, fifteen uh, seconds. You're really great. Yeah, that's really nice. So, what's next then for you and uh, your business? Yeah, so I've I've got a documentary that I'm in the research phases. For uh, a friend of mine shared recently her personal experience, a little bit about her personal experience um, coming into the U.S. 
as a little girl. And so I was able to sit down with her recently and hear more of her story. And it's really incredible when I think uh, a lot of people need to hear just so that they can put, you know, like a, a real human face or a real human story to what is often thought of as just kind of a category of person. And so that's, that's what I'm working on right now. Uh, haven't set up filming dates or anything like that yet. So still doing quite a bit of research. This person, she was uh, six or seven years old at the time of the Salvadorian civil war. There's a, uh, conflict in El Salvador, um, very costly in terms of lives and destruction. And, um, and so I'm spending quite a bit of my time, like looking into that and just trying to understand, um, as much of the context around that time as possible so that I can do a really good job of telling her story. So yeah, that's, that's what's next. And my wife, Rachel and I are launching a Patreon uh, here pretty soon so that we can, um, start to, to get supporters around some of the creative work we're doing. She, uh, you know, writes poetry and, um, fiction, nonfiction. Uh, she just writes a, a ton of stuff and puts out phenomenal work. Um, in addition to, uh, anything that she's doing to get traditionally published, um, she self-publishes a lot. And then she and I do some collaborative work together. And then, you know, I'm doing my documentary stuff. And so we um, we wanted to give people a way to help us make more of that. And, and that, you know, maybe eventually replaces some of the um, other jobs that I have right now that make up our income. So, uh, so that's another thing we're going to be doing here pretty soon. So where can people find you? Yeah, so um, you can find me at bentolson.com and I'm at Ben Tolson on all of the things. So And you're also co-hosting the Sean West podcast with uh, Sean McCabe. That's right. You should, uh, you should absolutely check out uh, seanwest.com and uh, the Sean West podcast. I mean, not, not you. I know you listen, <laughs> but your listeners. No, I, I will uh, again thank you very much for your insights on the Sean West podcast. Oh, yeah. You and Sean, you're doing really a great uh, duo and uh, you're bringing a great perspective to the, to the podcast, to the show. And I really, really enjoy a lot having both of you. Uh, and also, the, we feel the chemistry. I, I, at least I feel the, the chemistry that you have with Sean. Uh, on the podcast and you know, it's a it's a must listen for entrepreneurs out there yeah thank you very much yeah sean sean and i have known each other a long time and you know even even through the years as you know, we've kind of switched roles where i was the leader of a band and he was my guitar player and and now like he's running this business this great business and i just get to be the co-host on his podcast but We've never, we've always had this respect for one another. And, um, and I think what that allows to happen is that when we talk about stuff, you know, we listen to each other really well. And the, the insights that Sean brings to the table and the things that he's learned, um, every person who's trying to do anything creative or build something for themselves needs to hear And then, you know, I get to kind of counterbalance and, and ask questions that I think a lot of people have. And, and so I, it's, it's just, um, you know, it's an honor for me to be a part of it. 
Well, thank you very much for being on the show. Oh, goodness. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> so for our listeners, all the links will be in the show notes available at macpreneur.com forward slash episode nine. And if you enjoy the show, please leave a rating or review by visiting macpreneur.com forward slash iTunes. Finally, if you have a question, a comment, or you would like to be a guest on the show, shoot me an email at damia at macpreneur.com. So that's it for today. And until next time, I'm Damien Schloss, wishing you a great day. 